0: In its final leg of the four x five kilometer relay, the United States tagged off in a scrum for the lead with an always strong Germany and perennial favorites Norway, while Nordic powers Finland and Russia lurked eight and 10 seconds back behind respectively. The trail was the vaunted lofty ski center in the heart of Finland's third largest city. This stadium and these trails had been the battleground for the best cross country skiers in the world, no fewer than seven times since those second FIS worlds. This was hallowed ski ground, a place to make history. By this particular day in Lahti, on the final relay exchange of the 2019 Junior World Nordic Skiing Championships, Americans were accustomed to seeing American women take home hardware from even the Olympics. Eleven months before this relay exchange, the golden ceiling was broken when Randall and Diggins won the team sprint in Pyeongchang. This particular relay exchange happened in an era which the United States wins gold in cross-country skiing. Yet at that moment in the junior men's 4x5km relay, this was kind of a new territory for the United States. Since their inception in 1977, no American male had won a gold medal at the Junior World Championships in cross-country skiing. On that final leg, Norway ran their biggest sprint star and silver medalist in that classic sprint from those championships, Havard Mosby, while Russia, 15 seconds back at the exchange, sent out their superstar of the championships, Alexander Tarentov. Already with a gold in the classic sprint and a silver in the 10K classic at those championships. That day, the Stars and Stripes didn't look like underdogs. The final American skier decisively disposed of Mosby on the final climb, then descended into Lati Stadium like so many ski champions before him, the Stars and Stripes gliding victoriously across the finish line, arms in the air, to claim gold in the Junior World Championship relay. That's the story of Ben Ogden, Johnny Hagenbach. Luke Jagger and Gus Schumacher, breaking the gold medal barrier for the United States at the Junior World Championships, but that was really just the beginning. This episode of Threshold is brought to you by Solomon. Recognizing that the future existence of skiing is directly impacted by climate change, Solomon is confirming that sustainability will be a major aspect of its performance parameters in future winter sports products. The first of those sustainable products is the S Max e Skin Nordic Ski, the company's first ski constructed with a sustainable mindset, with its core constructed from recycled plastic bottles. For more information on Solomon's focus on sustainability and all their great products, visit Solomon.com. Solomon, time to play. If you haven't followed cross-country ski racing the last few years, or even more specifically the world level of junior cross-country skiing, that skier is under 20 years old, then you wouldn't know that all four legs of that 2019 relay came back the next year in 2020 and skied away from the rest of the world to comfortably defend their junior world relay title. But giving them even more confidence going into that 2020 relay was Gus Schumacher's individual win, America's first, in the 10K Classic with Ogden and Jagger backing him up in 9th and 10th. It should be mentioned that in 2018, the U.S. won silver with the same lineup except Hunter Wonders ran in place of Hagenbuck. Meanwhile, J.C. schoonmaker began making his way up the ladder as a sprinter as well, finishing 14th in his very first World Cup start in Dresden in December 2020. With all eyes predictably on Jesse Diggins and Rosie Brennan to bring home Olympic success this year in cross-country skiing, some impressive stuff is quietly unfolding in the background with these emerging young American men. And these names aren't the whole of it either. There's more. In the lead-up to this recording, Chris, our producer, and I have been calling this episode Brat Pack 2000. The 1980s hit movies The Breakfast Club and St. Elmo's Fire created an amorphous Hollywood Brat Packer around Emilio Estevez and co-stars. And that kind of stuck with me as I've watched a similar thing kind of happening around these Junior Worlds relays from 2018 to 2020 and Schumacher's individual world title. A pack of American guys born around the year 2000 are moving, en masse, to the top of the sport. Like the actual undefinable Brat pack of the 80s though, membership is more by association in age and those prime gold medal performances with Schumacher as the de facto Estevez. Schoonmaker, for example, was not a relay leg in any of those races, yet is currently the highest ranked U.S. skier in the World Cup right now. And there's Will Koch's 2020 bronze medal at the Youth Olympics or Zandon McMullen's solid showing at last year's Junior Worlds. The long and short of it is, for an insider who gets what it takes to get to this level, Brad Pack 2000 threw down some jaw-dropping sprint results to open this Olympic year in the Ruka Sprint. Historically one of the toughest sprints to advance to the quarterfinals all year. A relay performance in the Littlehammer just a week later also subtly impressed if you knew what you were looking at. With a long line of young talent chomping at their heels stateside, trying to earn one of those coveted World Cup spots, the competitive level of young men in U.S. ski racing has never been higher. Yet, the camaraderie and the tone, perhaps, has also never been better. To get an inside look at this youth movement, Threshold caught up with some of the defining members of Brat Pack 2000, Gus Schumacher, Luke Jagger, Ben Ogden, J.C. Schoonmaker, and Hunter Wonders, from Davos, Switzerland. Where they're camped out as a home base for the first collective full season on the FIS Cross Country World Cup together, guys. Welcome to Threshold.
1: Sick. Yeah. Thanks for having us.
0: Okay. So I remember at least a couple of you guys coming to a national U16 camp. I think it was 2016. It was. A, I think I was exiting the ski coaching job at Saint Scalisco, where I'm where I am right now. Um, so I'd like to start with where do you all remember meeting each other uh, or or first getting to know each other? Was it like a U16 banging heads? at uh, J- Junior Nationals, or was it like a U16 camp in Duluth, or was it a U18 trip? How, how do the four of you guys that are on the call actually kind of get to know each other first?
1: Um, well, me and Luke have known each other for a while, like since we were kids in Anchorage. I met JC right. at U16 camp in Burlington, I think. Yeah. That's where or, I met. Maybe we met at like JN's, but we definitely got to know each other at Burlington U16 camp, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was the start, I would say.
2: That was kind of started start all. And then we met you until... Trucky. That was at Burlington. You were sixteen, yeah. yeah. That was after Trucky. Oh yeah. 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 I think I think Jans in like 2015
1: was kind of the was 15. Like yeah. Trucky Jan's. Yeah. Jans. Yeah. Yeah. But we didn't 15.
0: like hang out a ton. So you guys are already kind of a, you guys are already kind of like you guys knew each other for a few years when I first met you guys here, right?
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Y- yeah,
0: yeah. 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 Well, I remember Ben because I got a I bought a mountain bike for my brother. I was Santa Cruz and Ben was like, "Oh, dude, sick mountain bike." And you're telling me all the things I, I like I was going to be a way better biker. I still have that bike, by the way, and I haven't gotten much better at mountain biking. Nice. So, <laughs> so do you guys feel like like there is there is a sort of a year 2000 sort of thing that has kind of emerged from the your young group of skiers like is that kind of like a badge of of pride w- with you guys like that that birth year and later? I feel like it might've been
4: more so when we were young, like our group was always a pretty strong one. Like with JNs, there was some, some people who would only race against us every other year. And it was like when it was time to race against the 2000s, I think it was kind of a thing for some people.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Maybe not yeah. so much. So anymore, like now it kind of blends together a little yeah. more. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I think it's definitely
2: yeah. a thing though.
0: I mean, you guys are older. That that's probably just going to happen when you're older, right? Yeah. Yeah, like mm-hmm. when
1: we're retiring, people aren't going to be like, "Oh my god, you're 2000s." Yeah, you may will but for the
2: other reason. You kind of get older and lose the uh, the safety net of your year of birth. That's that's pretty that's pretty sure. significant when you're a junior. It's like oh well they're two years older
0: than me. But then you like turn twenty and no one really cares how old you are anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. So uh, so let's talk a little bit about that. How did you guys? How do you guys feel like you became a team coming from? I mean I know Luke and 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 uh, Gus are from from Anchorage, but JC, if you're from Northern California and Ben, you're from way out in the East Coast. So how do you guys feel like? The process, be, how did you become kind of a team coming from the diff- different geographical regions in, in your clubs?
2: Um, I mean, I think obviously being on the national team helped that. But I think before that, like, we would kind of come together in, for, like, international trips every year. And that sort of became, like, an us against them kind of thing, you know, them being, like, the rest of the world. Because I think when we, before that, it was, like, you know, kind of, like, Gus and I against the rest of them, it <laughs> felt, like, just because we were from Alaska, and that was, like, pretty... Right, right, right. You know, that's, like, what matters when you're young. But, yeah, yeah I don't know, and then every year, it, that became, like, what we looked forward to was more of the international stuff instead of the, like, also the national-level stuff, but, um, yeah, and then, like, just the proliferation of, like, relay events also kind of makes that happen naturally. You just start to
0: rely on one another, and... Yeah, and we just were all really good friends, which probably was the biggest factor in it all. Made it pretty easy. <laughs> is, is there some common theme between you guys, like just personally, that you think brings you guys together? Like, just as, you know, you could pick four guys with the same physical talents that you guys have it, that don't get alongs, and, and and we have a long history of that in U.S. skiing. And that's kind of what I'm getting to the bo- bottom of. It's like, how do you think you guys, how did you find this spirit between you guys? What, what about the things you guys like? And, and anybody can, can blurt anything out that they want.
1: Um. Super chill. Yeah. I would say that.
2: Super. Chill. We're just really cool. Yeah. And we're awesome we're cooler just, than everybody else. No, that's why. No. No. no <laughs> goofy as hell. Yeah. Definitely not. Definitely not. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I think we were raised under a lot of similar. I, I mean, I think probably. Yeah. Between um, you know, our era of skiing and an earlier era, a lot of development happened that allowed pretty similar conditions to form around the country. So like. Right. I think we just grew up under pretty similar circumstances on different sides of the country. And y right. yeah, I mean I think we we used to be a lot less alike probably. And, yeah. And that has become yeah. we've become more alike probably, you know. But yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean you have a lot in common with people that you do the same thing with almost all the time. And yeah. I would also say that we all
4: sort of have a similar uh like <clears throat> goals in skiing and like uh similar strategies to sort of get there you know like i don't know okay, it's hard working sort of but <laughs> in a more like yeah i don't know i think
1: you're doing
4: it i have nothing else to say
0: <laughs> that's
4: great no I... no we, we did a podcast last night and every time i spoke i like didn't stop i just like sort of rambled on <laughs> Which was annoying, so I'll try not to do that now.
0: Ben, I can totally relate with you.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, guys, just 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 jump in on any of these questions. It's it's fine. So one of the things that so you know I'm I'm 50, believe it or not. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to believe it because I I feel like I'm as young as you guys, but um, you, you look know, great. I think. Oh, thanks, thanks a lot. Um, I I but but really, I think that like, I mean, I've been when I was your age, I really cared and, and I was really focused and I wanted to be a great athlete and. And I went to Europe on my own dollar with no coaching staff, with my own ski bag, my own rifle case. And, and I think that this is kind of what's interesting about this conversation between a guy of my age who cared like that and your generation. And you hit on that, on that last that last uh, thing that brings you together. So, you know, when I was your age, we were like so far behind that we didn't even know basic training methodology. I mean, the methodology itself, like what we do should we be doing for training was like totally up in the air and I went to Europe to seek that and and you guys haven't really had to do that which I think is first awesome and it, and it's really cool but it's something that I think generationally will speak to people on this podcast. But so with that said, w- with the backgrounds you guys have, what do you feel are the absolute critical elements of effective training environment for you guys coming from the environments that you have, both at home and in camps and at competitions like you're at right now at the highest level. Like you know, put that into perspective for a guy my age. I
5: would say one thing that's pretty simple and we just talked about it the other day was like a lot of us don't race well for not having fun and like that's a big part of just maybe it's like not so much uh, like training physiology and science and stuff like that but I feel like having fun is like that's a very important aspect of a good training and racing environment I would say especially for me
1: and but I feel like also yeah that's sort of like almost an end game though like uh the I feel like that comes from having confidence in your training. Like, the fun comes after having confidence. And it can come before, too, I think. But, like, for me, at least, I know, like, I have a lot of fun when I'm... I know I'm doing the right thing. And I can just kind of, like, relax and do it. And go with it and do it with a team. But, like, feel confident in what I'm doing. Because that is, brings a lot of, like, lightness yeah. to
2: it. I think, too, like, <clears throat> I mean, obviously area that the entire country is improving is just specificity in training and like yeah you know like volumes are a lot higher than they used to be i'm sure and i'm mm-hmm. you know i remember like when we were younger just like always having this like internal pressure to like train more which was maybe not always great but um yeah i don't know but also i think like what jc said <clears throat> it's not as like cut and dry as maybe you like to think it is and um you know there is like a lot of ways to skin the cat, and that's kind of something I learn every single year. but at the end of the day, like no matter what you do, you gotta be happy with it and like you know being like a good headspace and that's almost more important than like the you know you, you can lose ten percent on that and gain like point five percent on like changing your whatever in your training you know right right
0: all right, do you guys feel like do you guys have a lot of confidence in your technical infrastructures both at home as a club and in the national team is that kind of is that kind of do you think the difference between you and me <laughs> Thirty years apart.
4: I would say, I would say yes for me specifically. Like um, both, like Patrick Weaver at UVM and Pat O'Brien at uh, uh, the T two team. Like I have a lot of confidence in both of their recommendations when it comes to training. So you know, it is nice, <clears throat> super nice. You know, we we all try and take some ownership of our training plan, but it's really nice to sort of have solid coaches who have produced. Many a talented skier give you advice and tell you what to do a little bit, you know. Because like we got you know you got to base it off something, yeah. <laughs> and Then you can sort of like make adjustments as you see fit, which is you know we're extremely lucky to have that in our generation. If we're talking about sort of the difference, yeah. I right,
2: think right. It's like it. it oh, go sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. J- I was gonna say I, I always like think it's like very nice to think like oh we're just like uniquely talented, but obviously like plenty of people have come through us skiing with the physiological, you know, requirements and genetic predispositions and and work ethic to be world-class athletes. It's just like, if the infrastructure is not there, you're kind of swimming upstream a little bit. So, right. You know, we, we kind of were born on third base, so to speak.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, that's, that's perceptive of you guys. I, I think that that's, that's why I asked the question because I think that that has been a, a, there's been a stumbling block. I think that there's there's that marriage between fun and and effectiveness is really kind of the it's kind of the sweet spot for anybody in any country, don't you think? Oh yeah. Yeah,
1: big time. Yeah. Yo, we have Hunter here too.
2: Uh Oh, nice. If you just Yeah, he just joined us. He can Hey, he can, Hunter. He can just speak hey, up if he wants to.
0: Totally, totally. Hunter we just want to make sure we get you guys credited on the on the on the write-up because it's all going to be obviously there's no camera. But uh yeah, Hunter, great to have you here as well. Um, So just jump in as as I continue to roll through here. Um, So cross country skiing is not necessarily a team sport. I mean, we talk a little bit. There's a lot of individualism and, and that's kind of been a thing that is I think I think just from looking at the broad perspective of the of the trajectory of U.S. skiing, that individualism is both important and it can also work against itself. But you guys as a group, and this is kind of what why I wanted you on this podcast, is cross-country skiing really is not a team sport. And it's tended to be a sport in which you know, fierce individualism has is, is kind of been the, the common trait to success. I think back to, like, Gunda Svan back in the 80s. He, he didn't hang out with his team. He was totally independent, and he was the best. Um, but I once asked NCAA champion Eric Soderman what he loved most about skiing in America compared to his home in Sweden. And those experience was uh, skiing for an NCAA team here. He said that he loved what he loved most about America, and as a ski racer, is that Americans are just more team oriented and know how to make a sport like skiing a team sport. He suggested that the clubs in Sweden are are essentially teams of individuals, and there wasn't any real team spirit at ski races in Sweden. And that's what he missed about about skiing in America when he went back. Do any of you feel that difference? Um, culturally, when when you've been ski racing abroad, or do, do you feel that in the way that you guys have evolved as a team, that you are different than those European guys you're racing against?
1: Yeah, I mean, these guys talked about it. We talked about it recently that like NCA skiing taught them in a big way that like like how to compete for something greater than their own. I think me and Hunter, who haven't skied NCA, would agree with that. That like the national team feels like that, and we've had other like team situations that really encourage, like, working together even if you're racing in an individual start fully, like, independent of each other, no team points on the line, but, like, supporting each other before and after the race and how important that is to individual success as well.
4: Yeah, and, um, I mean, a big thing, like, on Sunday when the girls had such a good day, like, a lot of what we were talking about was, you know, how the U.S. women stacked up against the other women's teams um you know and I don't think that that's something that comes that other teams are talking about as much it does seem like you know a lot of the best the very best people are sort of on their own a little bit um but yeah I don't know I think it's a I think it's an asset to us as uh in the U.S. side of things that we sort of see things from a team perspective because then not only do we get to celebrate as a team together but you also like sort of have tough days as a team which which helps
2: Yeah. And I mean, obviously like the, you know, the highs are pretty high and in high level sport and the lows are, are pretty low, especially when you're really far away from home. But, um, you know, obviously like having people around that you really like makes the lows a lot lower, makes the highs a lot higher, but also just from like a functional like performance perspective, it's just like, you know, having people that you can learn from and like rely on to train with consistently and motivate you and whatever is like a lot better, you know? And it's like, you're I mean, pretty naive to think that you know you know it all and can't learn something from anybody, even if they're you know better at different things than you or whatever. So I don't know. I I like believe that more every year. I think, just that there's the the benefits are pretty like far-reaching in being a part of something bigger.
0: Solomon's full line of skis, boots, poles, clothing, and accessories. Are designed to deliver the best in enjoyment and performance. Some of the best skiers in the world like Jesse Diggins and World Cup sprint leader Maya Dahlquist rely on Solomon's S-Lab line of premium equipment to get them to the finish line first. From the world's top racers to your child's first steps on the snow and every stride and glide in between, Solomon has you covered from head to foot for every skier. Recognizing that the future existence of skiing is directly impacted by climate change, Solomon is confirming that sustainability will be a major aspect of its performance parameters in future winter sports products. Visit Solomon.com for more. Solomon, time to play. Okay, so the jump from Junior World Championships to the World Cup is kind of commonly seen as a pretty big one. But there seems to be periods or or birth years that render more competitive athletes to the World Cup sooner. As a group, you've kind of made that transition pretty well. I know you're not killing it 24-7, 365 right now uh, but you've all pretty much made a respectable entrance to the World Cup level this year I think that can be said with a lot of confidence so what was the thing that surprised each of you most about your first World Cup races and and we'll just go down the line let's start with Hunter we haven't heard from him
3: um yeah I uh had my first World Cup races last season and it was a a big shock to the system you know I went from watching these guys on TV to uh bumping shoulders with them and uh yeah it was just really cool experience and I kind of learned that like I wasn't that far off from being able to compete with them and uh yeah I think it shows with this whole group that we we are right there and it's not a
2: big jump it's
3: just a lot of little steps.
2: Luke? Yeah I mean I guess like that's kind of part of the benefit of team too is like I, you know, like in Ruka this year, I would never, you know, been there before, or I guess I had like one World Cup star last season before that, but <clears throat> I was like pretty unfamiliar with the competition, but just like um, being so familiar with your teammates and how they do and just like having such open communication, I felt like it was not really that, I felt like I pretty much knew what, I, what to expect and I was, um, yeah, I, I felt like I wasn't that like shocked, but for that reason. Um, just because I felt like we kind of well prepared one another, and we were like had a system that kind of was well preparing us. That being said, like you know, Ruka was pretty awesome, and then some of the other ones are pretty tough. So I I think like the uh, yeah the, the the competitiveness of it is still pretty crazy to me. But um, yeah. yeah, I don't know, it's cool like to be that close, and you know, even on a bad day, like it's not that far out. I guess it's cool. JC, what about you? i would say for me i don't know if like there's anything in
5: particular that's super shocking but it's more of like a kind of a general like um shock to the system just racing in a different place like living not at home being with a different team um i don't know i feel like all of that is just kind of was kind of like a little overwhelming last year when it was my first time kind of being on the the circuit for like an extended period of time um and it was just a little, I guess, like, just being on the road and stuff was a little a little tougher than I thought it would be for sure. Ben? <clears throat> yeah, I was going to be back on what JC's saying and say that, you know,
4: the the racing, we're, we're lucky to have been surrounded by World Cup athletes for a lot of our lives. Like, you know, Newell and Simi, I grew up, or have been skiing with for a long time, and they... uh sort of prepared me a little bit and you know i got to do some stuff at junior worlds in last year so the, the racing side of it wasn't a huge shock for me but the uh definitely the lifestyle of being like you know always like on uh, is a little bit tricky you know like always worried about getting sick always worried about like you know the next race what you're gonna do for training that day you know if you're gonna go for an afternoon jog trying to deal with your school from like six hours away or <clears throat> six hour different time zones. uh is tricky so that's been the hardest thing for me and will continue to be
1: certainly um yeah Gus yeah I felt like like for last year being my first like real world cup tour start um like the biggest shock was kind of I think like rationalizing (laughs) kind of bad results a little bit like Mm -hmm. that sounds a little weird but like <laughs> uh, I relatively,
0: relatively bad results. Let's let's call. A yeah, I mean, and like you're still, you know, you're still doing well, but you you had higher hopes for yourself. Three minutes
1: back, because it's right. like that. You you time that you time that on a phone, and it really looks like a lot, or like 15 <laughs> seconds over a sprint, like definitely feels like kind of a lot. But um, I think I had good mentors last year, especially and like Simi and Matt, like coaches around that. um just put that into perspective and like help me step back and realize that it's a long it's a long process especially in distance skiing and uh just to kind of trust what we have going and then this year it's been even easier to like have a group of guys more more guys my age that you know like and a day where one of us does bad, one of us has done well every single time, pretty much. I don't think we've had a day where, like, one we were all really bad simultaneously,
0: it felt like. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that kind of
1: helps even that out, and it, we're all kind of in it together, which is fun.
0: That that was kind of you already stole my next question for you because I know you and I was in Ruka last year to get some get some stuff for NBC and I saw you and you and JC were there, but now you've got Ben and, and Hunter and, and Luke all with you. You're kind of there as the whole group right from the start in Ruka, and then and then you guys come out in the sprint qualifier. JC qualified. I mean JC, I remember watching you last year prepare for Ruka. And, and you're like at a different level. I am watching it from video this time, but I, you know you're at a different level when I'm watching on Peacock this year. It's a huge jump. I, you know I don't know if you feel that yourself, but I saw it as a as a commentator. But but you guys go fifth, eighth, and seventeenth in the qualifier at Ruka, and I'm telling you, I've been watching Ruka for a long time, and you can make tons and tons of excuses why you didn't qualify at Ruka. It's a hard freaking place to qualify for the for the quarterfinals in Ruka on that hill, and you guys did that. So if you're coming from another country and not paying attention, one might have been shocked by that. What was this group's feeling going into that race, and what was the vibe you took out of it once you when those once those results came out and they, and they dropped, and you guys are looking at it? Like, you're in it. The hardest freaking place to qualify, because everybody's coming out with guns on in the Olympic season to try to make their Olympic team in Norway, and you guys do that. So did that give you guys like a whole new level of strut, or were you just kind of business, just all into business?
4: I would say it gave us some good confidence pretty cool,
0: pretty yeah. early on. I mean, we
3: were,
2: we, but it we were also inside. pretty
0: pretty quickly opened the door. to Like,
2: I, I was pretty bummed with qualifying seventeen because the goal 8th and 5th, honestly. And then, like, seeing yeah. JC in the semis, Ben and I were like, God damn it, we saw <laughs> it like, pretty quickly. So, I don't know. I mean, it's, like, humbling for sure. And then, I, I mean, yeah, especially if the next two weekends were especially humbling. But, I don't know. It was I think we were very, like, I anyways was definitely the most relaxed before that probably because there is like you said no, so not that much pressure on you being a young person there because it's such like a you know i don't know competitive field and then yeah it, it, it it's been a little of a challenge carrying that momentum i guess and through the rest of
0: the the other spring qualifiers for me anyways these guys may have as much trouble with <laughs> JC, is kind of like last year at Ruka and this year at Ruka. How, what, th- what the feeling was for you? D- was there a difference?
5: Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking, like, after we qualified, I just remember we were, like, definitely pretty pumped, and I felt like it was that was super solid. But I just remember, like, um, we were doing the heat selection, and I feel like the general sense was, like, that that wasn't our goal for the day. And we were, like, ready to try and tear it up in some heats, too. Like, the goal was to make it through a quarter, try to make it through a semi um so compared to ruka last year where i didn't qualify at all i mean that was that was pretty awesome and i feel like that that's definitely was a pretty fun way to start the season um so yeah trying to trying to carry that over to a few more races um is hopefully the goal yeah one other thing about that i mean you know
4: i think these guys are selling themselves a little bit not uh a little bit short because like that was you know that was exciting for all of us and One thing that I realized, I wasn't in Ruka last year, but like, you know, in race prep the day before and in intervals the week leading up, like we were all sort of doing it together. And, you know, like you say, everybody's sort of like trying to know who's going to be fast. And like none of, no one was getting a step on anyone in any of those intervals or in the race prep. We were all super tight. So I think that's what like prepared us for the race because I remember thinking to myself, like more so than in almost any other race I've ever been in that like every millisecond counted out there. And I think right. that I'm sure they would save all these guys. So I think that that was a big, like, mentality thing that helped uh, with like the success of Ruka. Um, so yeah.
0: Okay. Cool. So like anything, you know, you, you roll strikes and gutters. If you're, I'm, I'm a big fan of the big Lebowski. I like that <laughs> strikes and gutters. You guys are, you guys are, you guys are rolling strikes and gutters. I mean, there's some gutters out there, but there's some strikes too. And I think one of the biggest ones was was pretty subtle. And you guys are all, at least in some ways, connected to like the, the long string of USA relay efforts at Junior Worlds, where you guys have done done pretty well. But in Lillehammer two weeks ago, USA one finished ninth, 102 out of the lead. Now, if you looked at that at the at the birth year column on the FIS results, like I did, uh, every every member of that team was born in the year 2000 or later. No other team was even close on, on the young level of that age. There were some 2,000 sprinkled in the race, but nobody with a really young team anywhere near there. So this is the kind of result that I think can go largely unnoticed by people who aren't really paying attention like I do. Nobody raises an eye at a ninth-place finish in a relay, and, and, and nor, nor really should they. But you were just 102 back in a 30K relay against the best guys in the world. That averages to like 15 seconds against the stellar field for each one of you that was in that relay, and I know not all of you were on that. And but that's, that that to me is like super hopeful on one of those races that can kind of fly under the radar until you realize you're the only team out there in which everyone on that team was born in the year 2000 or later, and I think we'd be hard pressed to find a nation who could put four male athletes together. Born in 2000 or later, and be that close to the winning team. I think you probably so, do. So did you, <laughs> I, I, I think if you really want you put you to put <laughs> together, <something. laughs> but so I'm asking you guys: did, did that really? Did that really? Did that sink into you guys? T- to me, it felt like a little like a Ruka, like Ruka Sprint Day, not only in a sprint, but but even though you weren't on the podium, there's this subtle message that I took from that result. When I looked at that, I was like, I I, I follow this, and I was like, holy crap, that's legit. What what was your guys' reaction to that day? that day as a team
1: got some boys distance points yeah, no,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize that's how that works that was exciting
4: <laughs> I, I think our reaction to that was like it was mixed sort of like what you're saying where you know we look at ourselves on paper and it was maybe not what like we want what we dream of but right. you know it's important it is important to remember like we talked about this a lot how like the age thing can be both like motivational and sort of like a crutch you know we don't want to yeah. like let it be like uh something where after every bad or after every race we say, Oh well you know, we're twenty one. That's fine. We'll be able to do it when we're thirty right, right. one. But, you know, it's important to also remember that, you know, that was the first World Cup relay for three out of the four of us on that in that group. You know, we yeah. we, we learned a lot. I mean we've done relays before, but you know, I think that <laughs> like Gus was saying, it's a really long uh well, it's a long time, and you know, one day if we want to get on the podium, we want to win that race, and uh, I, I think I don't think it's out of the question at all. But you know, that that particular day was definitely a little bit mixed because we were a ways back, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Anybody else? Yeah, I think really, in particular, like, are have quite a bit of nuance to the way that they're raced that kind of make results hard to interpret just because there's so much like tactics that goes into them and like time right. back in place or not always super good metrics of success just because like, you know, one like attack in the r- wrong place or whatever can really open up a lot of time or close a lot of spots or whatever. But I feel like, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like we're, I feel like we have the, it just like throughout the whole team, a lot of pieces that could develop into like very good different spots in relays. Cause at the end of the day, like it, yeah, to win a relay, you can't just have four of the same type of people, you know, like there's a reason that, right the same people are on the last legs all the time, and it's the exact same story that unfolds all the time, you know. So I think we're not, like, the, I I guess what I'm trying to say is, even if we were not, even if we were five seconds back, we might still be a similar amount away from winning, you know. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, like
1: skiing for ninth, 8th, 7th, 6th is a lot different than skiing for the podium. Yeah, exactly.
2: For sure. And like there are plenty of times in history when you know it, uh, courses and the way that races unfold, the conditions maybe would lend themselves to being very close to the time back, but would not lend themselves to being any closer to actually being the first person across the line. I guess is what I'm trying to say.
0: Do you guys feel like there's a big, uh, there's, a, there's a little bit of a competition among the among you guys to get on that get on that relay team with, with each other?
1: Oh
4: yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: I mean like that's the nature of our sport is like there's teams and relay right. teams olympic teams like all this stuff that we compete with each other for and i think we're we we've had some practice with those teams and i think we're getting better at it but it's always it's gonna always be a problem in sport um yeah i think if we talk like it seems like it's helping to talk about it more um because for sure we're still teammates even if we're not on the relay.
2: Yeah, and we'll all get left off right. at, you know, at one point or another. So, yeah. this is kind of the way right. it is.
5: And to a certain extent, I feel like a relay, I mean, this is coming from a guy who hasn't been on the relay team, but like a relay win <laughs> is like a win for the entire team. It's, yeah. it's, it's those four guys that are racing the race, but a gold medal like at the Olympics for relay team is, is a win for the entire U.S. men's team. Not even just the men's team, yeah. really the whole team, but specifically the U.S. men's team. Yeah,
0: definitely. Do you guys feel like being around? I mean, Jesse has Jesse and the, and the women's team have, have been kind of like had that mantra for a long time. What's it like for you guys now hanging out on the team with Jesse, kind of kind of spewing her mantra, so to speak? And does it does it help to be there, like experiencing that with her?
5: Yeah, I would say Jesse's been really helpful, and like she's also, I mean. I think she kinda likes hanging out around us, which is kinda fun, so we have a good she time. She spent a lot of time with <laughs> us. Yeah, and we ask her lots of questions and um I think she, she likes giving us advice and stuff, so it's been super cool learning from her and uh I mean she's one of the best, so yeah. She's a good person to learn from.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's also like fun to see that uh it's not like she's not this is not a scripted thing for her, like she is truly a good teammate and I think it right. it helps for us to see that. Like you can just be a good teammate behind the scenes. And that's what really makes the gears turn. I think we're good at that. And we're starting to get better at saying that we do that too. Because I think that's also important for how our how our men's team is interpreted.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, like Jesse does a lot of fast skiing, obviously. But what's pretty cool too is like all the work that goes into like making sure people's birthdays are recognized and stuff like
0: that. That, you know, when she's gone, someone else is going to have to take up the mantle on for sure. That's awesome. Okay. So we kind of touched on it a little bit. You know, the American culture, the sport culture, really tends to put a premium on earning the title of Olympian. And this is obviously an Olympic season, and there's only so many quota spots for the United States uh, to go to the Olympics. Um, so in this Olympic year, how prominent is that force in your, each of your individual consciousness? Is it like a major deal to be on the team this year? And, and, and how, do you guys, how do you guys deal with that, that kind of that Olympic thing hanging in the background over all your heads? I didn't
2: actually realize it was happening this
0: winter. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no yeah it's
2: yeah. 2021 now. I got about so. yeah that's why I was gonna, yeah no it's <laughs> a it's a big
4: thing absolutely yeah I mean for sure yeah. you know like we're, we talk about it plenty we talk about it all the time yeah. and yeah. like you know we're all saying that it's such a long push as an athlete but I mean you know there's always like the uh, desire to do thing do things now and whatever you know I don't know right right, right. I, I would say it's a it's a played a big part of like what we talk about and, and certainly what I think about, but you know I, I don't think it's been a huge uh like detract it hasn't detracted from like our friendship and stuff, and I don't think right. it will which is which is nice
0: so let me ask you this so one of the things that 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 always concerns me as somebody like who's older in this sport and kind of watch has watched athlete development is earning that title of Olympian, we've seen a lot of people earn that title of Olympian and then just exit. Like, I'm done. I got this. I'm out of here. Is, are we in any danger of any Q five guys? If you make the Olympic team, are, are you guys done you after Put it this? in the
1: Instagram bio, get the tattoo. And yeah, I mean,
2: <laughs> it. I think yeah. like
1: that tattoo. It is doesn't sound perfect.
0: like it, but I'm asking, I'm asking the obvious question here.
1: I, I think that's about as far from yeah the um, answer as possible. I think we all want to be no the best way. in the world, and yeah. being an Olympian is not that.
4: This afternoon on a run me and me and Luke were talking about how like what we what we all dream of is that like the Olympian thing isn't like no, we're not we're not fighting for like spots at the Olympics. We're fighting for like the top stop the tops the top step of the podium or the podium, you know. You know, like we were saying once upon a time, like going to junior worlds, qualifying for junior worlds was like a huge stressor for us or at least yeah, for like me. Get,
1: you want to get the jacket
4: exactly yeah you, like, <laughs> you, you wanna want, a piece. Yeah. You you want totally. to go you know once you're on the plane to europe you don't really give a shit what yeah. happens you know yeah but yeah. that so quickly changed for all of us that, right. that oh sorry i swore
0: <laughs> whoopsies it's fine um, <laughs> you, you won't you you aren't the first ben you aren't the first yeah you can believe it out <laughs> but uh, we, don't, saying, we don't we don't take the time what i was saying
4: was actually like a good point where like yeah really quickly after that um, it became like we wanted to do well at Junior Worlds, right? And I, I, I believe that for for all of us, that's like the the, the end goal, you know. This season, maybe, I mean, this season included. Obviously, yeah. this season included, all seasons included, right? Like the goal is to send the best people to these <coughs> things,
1: and I don't know. Yeah, I think one way like I've justified or like managed Olympic stress is like. If I'm not racing well enough to make the team, I'm not gonna race well there, and right. that like I don't wanna like go and race poorly, like I don't think yeah. any of us wanna like go and just right. get thirtieth, like that's not fun.
0: It might be kind of fun, <laughs> it might be a little fun, fun but It'd be less fun for sure. But, yeah. No, yeah.
4: yeah.
0: So you guys are out there. You you you're on you're on the World Cup now, and you've probably been watching some video and, and online stuff since you were a young kid, at least for the last few years. So when you see clo when you see Clavo and Bolshinov skiing out on the course while you're training sessions, what does that feel like to you?
2: Yeah. It's kind of I don't know, it's pretty underwhelming, honestly. Like, <laughs>
0: like I, I hate to say it, but
2: it's just yeah, I mean yeah. it's kinda of cool because it's like, yeah, it's just another dude skiing. Skiing well. Yeah, I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm skiing <like> well. But yeah. <laughs> there's I a lot of, there's a lot fun. of people skiing well. But no, I mean it's cool, for sure. Yeah, it's nice to get a little a little smile away from Bolshinov every now and then too. Yeah, but no, it's cool. I mean, I think we turn out to be too like starstruck by the whole thing. But... Yeah, because it's hard.
1: To, like, you want to beat them. It's hard to be starstruck by them. I yeah. yeah. But no, it's definitely you know,
0: it's definitely very cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. So, last question: How do each of you look at the future of the sport, both in the U.S. and worldwide, and what are your roles in that future? <laughs>
4: wow, it's a tough one. Should we get everybody on this one?
0: Everybody. Yeah. yeah.
4: i'm just kidding one at a time
0: (laughs) run run, run down the list just 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 free free freestyle it
3: cool i think like it was really big when uh keegan and jesse got that olympic gold medal and you know the drought was over it kind of showed that like we could make those goals if that's what we really want and uh i think that's maybe the role we're playing right now is getting one step closer and maybe who knows maybe in our career we might not be the best but we could maybe set up the next generation to right it's great yeah
2: yeah i mean i obviously <clears throat> like Hunter said um you know get fired up about the idea of like leaving something behind that is like uh allows other people to do this if they want to or uh not do <laughs> if they want to also <laughs> but um yeah totally i mean i guess like doing well and Winning medals and all that stuff is good. And I just really like the idea of um, just being a part of a team that's doing well but is doing it, like, the right way and is being clean and, you know, not doping and is just, like, being nice to each other the whole time. And, I don't know, I feel like that is uh, something I'm going to be more proud of when I'm older than, well, I don't know, maybe not. <laughs> if I won the Olympics, I might be wanting that a little bit more. But, no, yeah, I, I definitely, like... You know that's the kind of thing that you want to leave behind more so than, uh, than uh, other things.
5: Yeah, I feel like just growing the sport in general. Like um, maybe if we caught up to Alpine, that would be a good start. Just making it as popular as that, like <laughs> so that at least most people in the U.S. knew what cross country skiing is. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like we're just gonna do that by yeah being a good team and um, being good people, and yeah, I think. Through that, we'll we'll find good results, and that'll all kind of add up together to to hopefully just grow the grow the entire sport.
4: Yeah, yeah, we're, we're gonna start hearing the same things here as we get further down. but uh, When Hunter said like we want to set the next generation up for success, I thought that uh, that that's like really a goal of mine for sure in in skiing. Like you know, I remember how. How important it was for me when, like, uh, Simi and and Newell and Sophie and everybody and Jesse came and skied with us when we were like, you know, in middle school and whatnot. <clears throat> and you know, like, I remember Newell was like, you know, this this whole thing, the World Cup, that's your that that's yours for the taking. Uh, when when the time comes, if you want it, And that was really inspiring to me, you know, because it and it's true, right? I'm sure, someone said the same thing to him, so you know, I'd like to. Say that to some young kid one day. <laughs> yeah Say <it> to Z. <laughs> <laughs> hey
1: buddy <laughs> uh, Is Adam? That, is that yeah. Adam McMullen? Um yeah, I agree too. I think like growing the sport is big and I think a big part of that is I think we're doing it pretty well and it's like showing a te- a culture and a vibe that's fun to be around and like i think that's one thing that alpine has done well and it takes like decades and hundreds of people doing it but um just kind of showing that like nordic skiing can be fun and light and it's hard but it's like a good time and racing is fun and all of it is fun um and yeah like we have a good team atmosphere and doing it well and obviously like you kind of have to like do really well to be able to spread that message. So I think that's part of it. But uh, I think we can, and we can do it having fun and, <coughs> yeah, like facilitate growth and new people coming to the sport, which I think would be fun for all of us to see, especially if we sort of knew that we maybe had a small part in that.
0: Well, fellas, you guys are three minutes away from your team meeting, so we're going to get you in under the wire. Thanks for joining us today on Threshold. It was really An awesome and a pleasure. It was awesome and a real pleasure talking to all you guys. And and good luck this rest of this winter. We're 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 rooting for you. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Being cool was one of my generation's great aspirations. I never really liked it though. I've always said, cool kills. It kills honesty. It kills introspection and self analysis. The very elements we need to achieve the greatest things. Cool tells us we're good enough, and we just need to maintain our position cool is lazy it implies we don't need to move others need to move around us most of all cool kills ambition it tries to keep things the way they are when we're on top or at least when we think we are we all know what cool is because we've all at least tried it on at least once or twice i know i have as a coach i try to eradicate it from existence but it always tries to find its way into my teams Some wear it better than others, and many actually convince themselves they like it. But as a conduit to reaching our full potential, I think it is one of our worst emotional inventions as people. Cool is insecurity and fear. Show me someone acting cool, and I'll show you someone who is fundamentally scared. These young men are not cool. You can feel it through a computer screen on a laptop 4,000 miles away. They are on task. They are serious in the very best way. They are supportive and open and above all, honest. What they are doing some days could be spun into being a bigger deal than it actually is. Cool kids might try to nonchalantly do just that. These guys downplay it on instinct. They make something I see as pretty good and they make it less. These guys are comfortable with their difficult reality, with the work they face to achieve their big ambitions. They are unafraid. They are brave first, talented second. As they put it, they are chill. I hadn't contemplated the meaning of chill much until I did this interview. I'm old, and it's a modern word, but I have obviously thought a lot about cool. While they are close in temperature, they seem to be miles apart in spirit. Talking to these guys, I realized that cool closes doors and excludes. Chill seems to open them up and includes. Cool puts up walls. Chill breaks them down. Cool artificially builds us up to seem we are something we are not, while chill boils it down to the sober reality and exposes where we are deficient of our aspirations and where we need to work. Cool is fake. Chill is real. These guys are chill, and that's all the difference, and perhaps their greatest commonality. And they're not brats either. Brats are probably cool. Let's call them then the Chill Pack 2000 instead. I think they're going to teach us a lot about success in the days and years to come. And I, for one, am on the edge of my seat. That's Threshold for this episode. Thanks again to Gus Schumacher, Ben Ogden, J.C. Schoonmaker, Luke Jagger, and Hunter Wonders for their time and openness. I'm Chad Somala. Thanks for listening.